So today begins the church's annual dramatic reenactment of the last week of Jesus' life. On Palm Sunday, we begin Holy Week by remembering Jesus' joyful and peaceful entrance into Jerusalem. And I can't help but notice that this moment has all of the elements of a political rally. We have the supporters, Jesus' disciples, who ecstatically shout a psalm of praise traditionally recited during the Passover meal, Psalm 118. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Except, of course, they change one key word. They change it from blessed is the one to blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And we have the counter-protesters. We have the Pharisees who, in response to this heretical cry on the part of the disciples, say to Jesus, tell your disciples to stop. We have the crowd standing by, not quite sure which side they are on. Symbols matter at this political rally, like they do at all rallies. Notice that Jesus strategically chooses his vehicle of choice, his entrance to the rally. It's a, not a horse, which is what any typical military leader entering into the city victoriously would have used, but a donkey, the same animal that Jesus' destitute mother rode on the way to Bethlehem, an animal that symbolizes peace, not war. And of course, we have the palm branches laid on the ground, which you might have noticed in Luke's gospel, we don't actually hear anything about palm branches. Instead, we have people laying their cloaks on the ground as a sign of respect of Jesus. Now, we've been hearing a lot about political rallies lately, haven't we? But not many of them sound like Jesus's triumphal entrance into Jerusalem. While there are no donkeys to be found in the 2016 political race, well, I guess you could, presidential race, um, I guess you could say that there are donkeys, but not the live kind of donkeys. There are no donkeys, but there is a plane gilded with 24 karat gold. We have counter-protesters, but rather than answer directly like Jesus answered the Pharisees, they instead are dragged away, insulted, physically threatened. I have to tell you that I am bewildered, I'm worried, and if I'm honest, I am scared about the rhetoric, the, the level of rhetoric that we are finding in our nation. But I have to tell you that I'm even more scared that this shows us and symbolizes that we are becoming more and more divided as a nation. That it means that Americans are never going to learn to listen to one another, to understand each other's hopes and dreams and fears, to hear each other's stories and affirm each other rather than reject each other. I've attended my own share of political rallies in my life. In college, I attended a social justice conference in Juarez, Mexico, to the dismay of my parents. I traveled by myself on a plane, um, landing in Juarez, walking across the bridge um, at a time when um, we were hearing about more and more violence in that city. But I did it, and I marched across the bridge with fellow conference attendees um, in, uh, against 
in protest uh, of the building of a wall across the border. I've walked with janitors in downtown Houston protesting for higher wages. And I've marched with immigrants on May Day um, in celebration of International Workers' Day. And while I think most of these causes were just, I have to tell you that often the feeling I had in my heart as I was participating in these events was one of self-righteousness. There was always a part of me that hoped that our protests would provoke someone. Because if they responded in kind, whether it was the police or my opponents, that would prove that I was right and that the system was unjust and that others were wrong. And now, I haven't attended many rallies or protests since graduating from college because I became to, became to become aware of that feeling of self-righteousness, of the anger and the callousness that I felt in my heart when I shouted and chanted against others, even when the cause seemed to be of God. It is because I have felt that self-righteousness in my own heart that I fear the division that we are seeing more and more in our country. You know, within each of our hearts is the potential and the tendency to shout, crucify him. As we'll hear the crowds say when Brian reads Luke's passion narrative at the end of today's service. We tell and we retell the story of Christ's passion every year, not because we're morbid, not because we're voyeurs of violence, but because the depths of Holy Week force us to grapple with the hatred, with the intolerance, with the desire that each of us has within ourselves to kill God. We tell the passion story not because we like it, but because, as Pittman McGee says, the Passion Week narrative is truth. A sanguine truth. Sanguine means blood-colored. One is, who of a, is one who is of a sanguine personality, has a humor of clear optimism, hope, and is passionate. After journeying to the cross and examining our hearts, I hope that we will discover that a passionate shout does exist within each of us. There are times when we must shout, like the disciples upon Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, because we feel that those shouts come from a place that only God can give voice to. There are times when we know that even if we did not say something, the stones would shout the message that all of creation groans in agreement. And today is one of those days. Now is one of those times to proclaim that abundant life is not through building walls. It's not through speaking hatefully. And it's not through amassing wealth. The way to abundant life is the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, and the way of peace. This week, the House of Bishops of the Episcopal Church gathered for their spring meeting. As you know, the leaders of our church often struggle to agree, but this week the bishops unanimously approved a word to the church. And I'd like to share this statement with you because 
It is important. And it is a shout that God has given voice to. The bishops write, On Good Friday, the ruling political forces of the day tortured and executed an innocent man. They sacrificed the weak and the blameless to protect their own status and power. On the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead, revealing not only their injustice, but also unmasking the lie that might makes right. In a country still living under the shadow of the lynching tree, we are troubled by the violent forces being released by this season's political rhetoric. Americans are turning against their neighbors, particularly those on the margins of society. They seek to secure their own safety and security at the expense of others. There is legitimate reason to fear where this rhetoric and the actions arising from it may take us. In this moment, we resemble God's children wandering in the wilderness. We, like they, are struggling to find our way. They turned from following God and worshipped a golden calf constructed from their own wealth. The current rhetoric is leading us to construct a modern false idol out of power and privilege. We reject the idolatrous notion that we can ensure the safety of some by sacrificing the hopes of others. No matter where we fall on the political spectrum, we must respect the dignity of every human being, and we must seek the common good above all else. We call for prayer for our country that a spirit of reconciliation will prevail, and we will not betray our true selves. The bishop's statement is a political statement. To be a Christian is to be political. The root of the word politics is polis, Greek for city. Jesus and his disciples made a political statement by leaving the margins of Galilee and entering the city of Jerusalem. Jesus went to a place of power, the temple, where he answered a political question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? And he gave a political answer. Give to the emperor what is the emperor, but give to God what is God's. And by stretching his arms on the cross, he demonstrated what it means to give to God what is God's, one's whole life. So today, embrace your Christian politics, wave your palm branches, and shout. Shout so that the message of love is stronger than the message of hate. Shout because the, sh the stones would shout if you didn't. Shout joyfully with the disciples today because of the powerful deeds that Jesus has done and has yet to resurrect in your own life. Shout with joy because the King of Peace has entered Jerusalem on the way to the temple where he will teach us about the kingdom of God, on the way to his Last Supper, where he will teach us how to be community, to the cross, where he will teach us how to love, and to the tomb, where he will teach us how to hope. Shout with passion about the God of passionate 
love. Amen.